I, I really don't like the way that we position failure. Um, and, and I don't know if that's a school system thing or just um, in, in vernacular in general, it really bothers me because failure insinuates something bad. And you don't learn unless you attempt and not succeed. Like All right, parents, welcome back to this week's episode of Parenting on Purpose, your podcast for parenting out of the box. I have Mr. Dan Peterson with us today, all the way from Chicago. How's it going, Dan? It's going well. Looking forward awesome. to uh, talking to you and your audience. Well, we appreciate you being here. Um, I say it publicly pretty much every time we have a dad brand on, but I love dad brands. I love the whole concept that you guys show up with, and I particularly love what you do and what you bring to the table. So I'm really excited to share that with everybody. Um, before we introduce you, I just think it's a fun way to get to know you before we get to know you. Please tell us one thing that you do uh, to show up on purpose in your life. Oh, wow. Got to get the hard ones out of the way first, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. So um, a few different things, but I'll keep it specific to my relationship with my kids. Right. So I, um, I actually kind of created a business model that allows me to be home with my kids before they go to school and then be home as soon as I get home from school. Right. Um, and so what I'm doing on purpose is I get up at 5 a.m. every day, go to the gym with my teenage son. I come home, take my daughter to middle school every day, and we stop and get coffee. That's awesome. <laughs> and then uh, my sixth grade son, him and I... Um, have about a half hour, 45 minutes after everybody's gone and either watch stupid YouTube videos or have a donut or sometimes we shoot hoops or just goof around. So that's so yeah. good. And I have it on my schedule. So it's, it's blocked off Monday through Friday, the entire school year. That's so awesome. So you get to really yeah. spend one-on-one -on -one intentional time with them in the morning. I think that's something yeah. a lot of people haven't been able to really narrow down yet, but that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it, it's funny too because it, it being on purpose or being intentional. Um, this kind of started last year where my daughter was supposed to take the bus, but she said it's too crowded, it's too hot. I don't want to be on the bus. Take me to school. And initially, I was kind of irritated with her, um, just because I felt like she was not being responsible, not um, persevering or whatever. But then I just thought of, well, hang on a second, that gives me an extra. 30 minutes with her every single morning. Like, of course I'm going to take advantage of that. So, so good. That, yeah. I think that also highlights why coaches are so important because it's a mindset shift that we go through before we become the next version of ourselves. But like version 1.0 gets irritated because the morning routine is now different. Version 2.0 realizes this is an opportunity, um, but it takes a mindset shift to kind of embrace that. And don't think it's lost on me, Dan, that you get up at 5 a.m. and have the most awesome workout routine ever and then have coffee and a donut. So good job on the balance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, I love this. So uh, folks, uh, welcome to this uh, week's episode. So Dan comes to us. Uh, he has a business called Compass for Life, and he is a relationship coach for parents, specifically um, in the context of relationships with their children. So this is going to be a really great episode. Um, he has a great curriculum that he's integrated into his business and he's a certified coach on. So I want to learn all about it for my personal life. Excited to share it with you as well. So Dan, if you don't mind, um, maybe just tell us a little bit about how you got into this work. Um, what made this important to you that you decided to make this shift? Yeah, let, let me, let me start with, um, just my childhood a little bit, cause that might paint a good picture. So yeah, my, 
my wife and I got married when I was 25. We both had a college degree. Um, we were married for seven years before we had our first child, which I think we are 31, 32 at the time. Um, and both of us, you know, from the time we got married before we had our first kid, we both went back and got a master's degree. So she's a reading specialist. She's in education. I'm in psychology and um, I have a master's in therapy. Um, when we had our kid at 31, I felt like we had a good foundation. Yeah. Um, but not only a foundation, like from a maturity point of view, but we also had a lot of skills we had developed through our trainings. And my parents, on the other hand, got married when they were 18. They got married because I was on the way. And by the time they were 32, they had six boys. Wow. Six boys. Six boys. Yeah. Oh my so God. From like zero to 12 for me, uh, maybe zero to 13. My mom was either pregnant or breastfeeding the entire time. Wow. Yeah. And, and so she was sleep deprived. She, you know, had six kids. She was just probably on, you know, fight or flight for, you know, most of my yeah. childhood. Not, not sure. because, you know, she didn't have uh, like a good heart or she wasn't um, a good mom. It's just, I don't know how anybody could do that. I have three kids and I didn't start until I was 32. And most of the time, I don't feel like I have enough bandwidth. I can imagine. Um, and my dad was in construction and he ran his own business. So, you know, there's just a lot of additional stress when you're an entrepreneur responsible for six kids. So they weren't really well resourced with parenting skills. They didn't have a good foundation for their relationship. And they both had terrible models as far as their parents went. Both of them sure. come from homes where there was alcoholism and abuse. Got it. So, you know, just kind of what led to where I'm at today is um, I want parents to have the skills, the tools, and the support they need to really enjoy parenting and to have a really deep connection with their kids. You okay. can't just wing it. You can't just be born with it. You actually have to create it, cultivate it. You, you have to continually grow and um, sure. kind of naturally was born into a family where I was helping out, taking care. So I was like a caregiver plus a therapist. I just love working with kids. So it was kind of like, a blend of nature and nurture, but then also exactly. I just, I, I have a heart for like kids knowing that they're deeply loved, that they have what it takes, that they're resilient. Um, I want them to kind of approach life with this mentality that I'm a rock star, but not in an arrogant way. It's just with this confidence. Yeah. And I think that just comes from knowing that you're deeply loved and you have something to offer. So that, that's kind of what. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I do the squirrel stuff every once in a while. Just as a quick sidebar, like, do you feel like if you had a different upbringing um, that you maybe would have taken a different path? Because I, I have this like theology and I'm all about the Aristotle nature versus nurture. Our 15 year old um, was adopted into our life and I went from 21 and single to 21 and instant child. Um, so Aris that whole theology from Aristotle is a big part of our relationship. Um, but like, do you think that kind of groomed you in to who you were becoming, like the skills and the talents that you developed through that time and your, your heart and your preferences to see people feel, um, loved and really seen? I'm just curious if you've ever kind of mentally thought about that. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I I'm not sure where I would be if I had a different type of childhood. Um, I, I do think a lot of like my passion for helping comes yep. from like pain that happened. Absolutely. Or things that maybe I didn't get that I needed. I want, um, helps me have like a deeper connection and deeper intuition. And, 
um, just a lot of compassion that maybe I wouldn't have if I didn't go through some of the things. But also my personality is, I, I like, I, I tell people this all the time, like, I enjoy being around little kids much more than I do adults. Yeah, sure. I just, I like, I, I love them. I'm like, you know, entertainment for them, they're entertainment for me. And I don't think that has anything to do with my childhood. I think it's just my personality and temperament. So cool. All right. Yeah. So, so fast forward now, um, that, that foundation, uh, got you into, you know, being intrigued and adding value in this way to kids. Yeah. So, so I ended up getting a master's degree in, in psychology because I wanted cool. to be a child therapist. And for the first 15 years of my career, I was providing therapy for kids and for teens, both in an individual group setting and a lot of different like therapeutic settings. And um, probably about 10 years ago, I was so burned out on Friday. I actually was going to quit. I had a job lined up as a financial planner. Wow. Yeah. So instead of kids with problems, it was adults with money. That was kind of the opposite end of the spectrum for me. Um, and, and part of why I was so burned out is... The, the mental health field is so focused on what's broken that it's focused on symptoms and pathology yeah. and labels and medication. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I, I was just getting depressed. Yes. And, you know, I was just being around like this hopeless feeling all the time. And, and it was about the same time that I started really enjoying fatherhood. I just, I, I couldn't come home and enjoy being a dad and go yep. to work and look across the table you know, and see a parent in pain and not know what to do. So thankfully I came across this approach It's called the nurtured heart approach, which is a really radical paradigm shift and a mindset shift, you know, along with some tools to, to really connect awesome. with your kid that saved my career. Like, awesome. yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of that in a minute, but yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, do you want to get into that now or did you have any yeah, other? Well, we'll take a quick pause here and I want to, I want to look at, so this whole podcast is kind of the genesis of like us as parents, you said it so perfectly at the beginning, parents enjoying parenthood. Um, I think we're all the product of good family lives. Like I had beautiful, my parents are some of our best friends, but we're just, I think like Maslow's hierarchy, like we're just up the triangle a little bit and we have the luxury to really think and be pur purposeful, thoughtful with the way that we set our kids up. You know, a lot of the work you probably do as a therapist is undoing years of trauma that has happened that we all come to our 20s and 30s with. So if we can create a baseline for our children, that's just a little bit better. I think that's kind of the whole genesis here. But what I love to highlight with um, individual practitioners, business owners, coaches is there seems to be moments of pain. And I think you highlighted this in the context of self-development, but moments of pain or discomfort in our lives as adults, whether it's with a job or with sports for our kids or whatever that is. And those moments actually hold opportunities for us to really propel ourselves into the next version of ourselves. There's something there that we want to uncover and become. And what I love highlighting here on our podcast with people, and you're a great example, Dan, is you can do both. You can be a good parent and be purposeful in your own pursuits. So when I see somebody who made a pivot or in, introduced a new theology into in the way you practice that ended up becoming your own practice, I, I just like to highlight it because I'm sure going through it, it can kind of feel hard and, and feel challenging. But when you look back, it kind of groomed you for what you became today, right? So I, I, just, like to, I just like to position that because what do they say? Like hindsight's twenty twenty. It's so easy after the fact to notice it. Um, I get really motivated by that specifically because a lot of our a lot of our guests 
or our um, audience, they have little kids. And I'm sure you re remember this from when your kids were younger, but there seems to be that like age between like zero and like three or four or five, where it's just kind of like a blur. And you're just trying to like, I think you said fl flight or flight with your mom, but you're not like operating as intentionally as you normally do as a human. And I think these are the great tools that people can lean in on, like what you're going to provide to really help them anchor back into what they're, you know, who, who they really are. So great job being an example of that. That's awesome. Um, anything else you want to share there? If not, I would love to hear about this uh, specific method and the, and the paradigm shift that it was for you, the radical shift. Yeah. There's just something that came up, a memory I had. Um, so, so my, my wife's a teacher. Um, awesome. when our kids were younger, I, I stayed home, um, and did like the day shift. She'd get off work and then I'd go do, you know, my, my practice in the afternoon and evenings. And I, I remember just being totally sleep deprived and exhausted. And, um, I, I don't know about you, but like the, the best part of the day for parents with younger kids is when they go take a nap <laughs> or before they wake up. <laughs> and, um, I, I remember he was like two at the time, maybe not even two, maybe 18 months. And I just heard the monitor go off. He's awake. And I'm just like irritable going to wake him up. I'm not ready. I open the door and this kid is like, he's like on a trampoline in his crib, just jumping because he's so like full of excitement to see me. And, and, and I just remember thinking like in that phase, yep. I need to intentionally approach life the way he does. Exactly. To wake up with the excitement to see the people I'm blessed with. And love it. Um, it really gave me a lot of like intention, but also a lot of extra energy to focus on, man. This little human being so pumped to see people in the morning. Like that's so that's that's what I need to reciprocate to him. Exactly. If we approach yeah. life the way our kids do, how much energy do we have, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So good. So, yeah. So so the nurtured heart approach. Um, I, I think it kind of resonates with a lot of people because in my opinion, it's the way that we're designed to relate to each other. Okay. And, and so the, where I use this approach is in the context of coaching parents, how to learn and master this in their relationship with their children. So it's like a parent child model. Great. But there's a lot of other advanced trainers like myself that use this for executive coaching. They do marriage retreats. Um, if you lead a team at work and you treat your employees, the people that work with you from this model, they're going to feel a lot more valued and encouraged and they're going to work harder. So we can get into the neuroscience, why this works, but um, just trust me, it works. <laughs> and, yeah. and what I'm going to give you guys is kind of related to parenting, but um, use it with your spouse, use it with your friends, use it with your colleagues. Um, it really, really works. So the whole, the whole like mentality, the whole, um, foundation of this approach is that we're created for deep connection. And so if we look at kids, they're not, they, they don't know who they are. They don't have any concept of, um, are they loved? Are they valued? What's important? They, they are obtaining and learning all that based on how the adults in their lives are showing. Them. And so we talk about how do we exchange energy? How, how do you, how do I show up? What kind of energy am I giving my kids at any given time? And you're always giving off energy, whether it's Love intentional that. or it's not. So when, when you think about kids, they're created for connection, created for energy. They learn real quickly what's going to get you to engage. It can either be by doing things that are really amazing that you're proud of and you're excited. Like when my kid's jumping up and down on a trampoline in his bed saying, dad, 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 
Um, but it also can be the things that are super annoying and irritating, right? And if you don't have awareness of this, you might be given a lot of energy and connection and communicating, continue to do that because you have my undivided attention. And that's the way that kids process that all the time. So, so the, the framework around this is how do you use your energy to connect and to give your kids like a really good connection, a healthy connection, a healthy attachment, but also how do you build them up on the inside mm. so that they know that they're a value-driven person? Love and that. Kids that feel loved, that know that they're a value-driven purpose, they do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, and they see the impact they have on others. So th that, that's kind of like the framework. Within that, there's three stands, and you have to have all three of these stands working in unison to get the biggest return on your investment. Um, before I get into the stands, do you have any like questions about that or, or, or are you yeah, this is great. No, I have a few. This is so good. So uh, it seems like you're trying to instill in them, as you said, like uh, the value added component is this, do I understand this correctly, Dan? Like it's trying to teach them like an internal low key of control or like a self-efficacy so that they can approach the world with a, um, my outputs directly relate to the type of world I'm creating. It starts to develop that a mentality that I am crafting the world that I live in based upon my actions. And they understand that they're putting out something and they will get something in exchange. Yeah. And, and I think probably the way that you're articulating it is, is probably something that happens a little bit old later or when they get a little okay. bit older, I think in the beginning stages, and this is why like, I really love working with the age groups, like four to 12. Yeah because that's when they're wanting the most connection and feedback, but it's, you're, you're writing their story, which becomes their narrative. Yes, 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 yes. And, and I want the kids to have a narrative that they are intentionally speaking and operating from. Are you going to help us go through that a little yeah. bit? Yep. All right. Yep. Cause, cause you know, for, for me as an adult, like, and, and you were talking about this earlier, like if you don't have like the greatest upbringing, the narrative that you start to create and craft and then function out of sometimes isn't really helpful and healthy. And it's really hard to correct a narrative. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that's in your DNA and in your wiring and all the pathways of your brain. So. This um, is directly this is related to subconscious. Like the, yeah. these are the moments that they're solidifying their subconscious beliefs that govern the rest of their lives, which is why all of us in our 20s and 30s and 40s are doing all this self-work and you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in this and retreats to try and undo those things. Well, we have the yeah. chance as parents to be proactive in helping write that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Can I ask one more clarifying point before sure. we get into the stances? Um, this whole concept of energy exchange, I love this. So I want to delve into a little bit of that. And I don't know if that gets into the neuroscience part and that's fantastic if it does, but I, I, the concept of kids do something to get a reaction makes a lot of sense. We are, um, you know, human species meant to survive. And if kids get neglected, you know, by and large in historical senses, they will perish because no one's taking care of them. So for kids to be wired to get our attention and anyone who's a parent can understand how that feels. Um, but I want to know the, you know, and I think you'll get into this, but like to be more proactive in that exchange. So tell me a little bit more about that energetic exchange and how, um, you know, how parents can shift from just like understanding that it's happening to maybe like being more intentional with it. Yeah. So this is where the three stands, okay. this tripod comes in. So, so the first, the first stand is absolutely no. 
Second stand, absolutely yes. Third stand, absolutely clear. So absolutely no means no unnecessary energy for problems. Okay. So what that looks like is the lectures, the warnings, the countdowns, the raising your voice. Um, kind of my default when I get stressed is threats and bribes. If you don't stop doing this, you can't have that. If you want this, all of that is connection and energy that's happening in the midst of or right after a problem. Okay. They're not in trouble. There's not a consequence. There's just a, an amped up, passionate, energetically filled parent yep. that's deeply connected to them right now. When I first learned about this approach, uh, approach I was like, oh, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 as a coach and as a therapist that works with kids, like when they start having problems in classrooms, like start swearing at the teacher, they call a code and then all the most loving, passionate people in the entire building come and try to calm a kid down the way that kids, especially kids that are challenging experience. That is I'm seeing I'm valued in these people that I'm deeply desiring connection with will show up with a lot of passion around my problem. So I must become a problem. So I have to show this behavior so I can yeah. get this attention. So it's yeah. actually a, it's a depurative. It's not a good thing. Right. Well, it, 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 it's, it's this like internal conflict it creates for them because they're getting wow. what they need, but it also destroys them on the inside. Wow. And that, that's kind of where a lot of my stress and just burnout was coming is because Makes these sense. kids were acting from a place of I'm impulsive. I have anger management issues. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. That was their story and narrative because when they behave that way, all the adults around them showed up with a ton of passion. You know, so let's put them on meds. That didn't make sense. Let's put them in therapy. That didn't make sense. How about we change the script for them? Right. So when you say absolutely no, um, walk me through that again. Does that mean that we should not be doing those things? Or does that mean like we just need to be cognizant not to put energy into these areas? I'd like, I want to hear that again. Yeah, I would say the, the key word is absolutely no unnecessary connection and energy. Don't okay. get this confused with ignore negative behavior. Whoever came up with that's an idiot. You can't ignore negative behavior. Kids know where your heart rate is. They know where your blood pressure is. You can pretend you're ignoring, but everything in your being wants to, you know, react. You know, so you can be cold, you can be stoic, you can be non-emotional, but I guarantee you kids still know if they're hitting a heartstring for you. Yeah, for sure. So the unnecessary is the drama. It's the raising okay. of your voice. It's okay. giving you know, repeating yourself, reminders, redirection, all of that's just, it's useless. You don't need to so understand that anything is energy. Any exchange is energy. So absolutely no unnecessary yep. ne negative energy. Is that how you said it? Uh, no energy for negativity. So if they're doing things that you don't want, got you it. don't want to participate in, just got choose it. to not show up with a lot of energy around those moments. Got it. Thank you. That that made it click for me because if you do, you're reinforcing that that negative behavior will give them what they want. And now you're creating that internal conflict that you mentioned. Okay. I'm on board now. Thank you. Thanks for working so, that out for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I'll probably say this a few more times. This is a tripod. You pull one of these stands away, the whole thing will collapse. That's why ignoring negative behavior never works. Okay. Usually if you have an energy seeking kid, what they'll do is they'll just keep amping it up until they hit the trigger that you can't ignore. Right, right. So the second stand, and, and this is where I have a lot of fun. I like to spend a lot of time on the second stand. It's proactively, intentionally, relentlessly giving energy to the things you want more of. Yes. 
And, and there's several ways to do that, but I think okay. the way that would probably serve your audience the best is um, providing irrefutable real-time evidence when they're behaving in a way that's congruent with the values and the character traits that are going to serve them well. Great. That, that really kind of are the heartbeat of your family. Love this. So, so can I, can I ask you some questions? How, first of all, how old are your kids? Or how yeah, old are your kids? Yeah, I'd love to get real example. So I'm happy to be a guinea pig for you. So I have a 15 year old. Um, that's our adopted daughter. It's my husband's niece. Um, we started raising her. She was four and she's now 15. And then Gabriel's three. Three. I think I saw the three year old in the back seat when we were talking yeah. on the phone the other day. Yeah, exactly. All right. yeah. So, so what typically prompts you and your husband to have a conversation about respect? What prompts, especially with your 14, 15 year old? Do you guys ever have conversations with, with your child about respect? So I don't think it's a or big trigger. Responsible. responsible probably is a big one. Our, our daughter just happens to be incredibly respectful. Um, <laughs> But I will get, I'll, I'll tell you too. So my husband's Samoan and that's a, it's a cultural thing, but it's very um, atypical in a Samoan family for children to speak out, to speak their mind, not disrespectfully, but just to talk. If adults are talking, um, kids are supposed to be silent in this culture. I am obviously not Samoan. And in the culture I was brought up in, we want our children, you know, we want to them to explore their voice in the house. So that's something we saw with my daughter, who's very respectful, that as she started to live under both of our garnership, she started to have more of a voice and there would be conversations around when it's appropriate for her to exert her voice and when it wasn't, which actually led my husband and I to say, hold on, like this does not serve our family. And we had to come up with our own terms there, but you can use, um, responsible as a good, as a good example, because she's 15 and she has a lot of, um, you know, things that she's, that she's doing. So well, I would like, what are things that she will do that will typically prompts you to have a conversation about the importance of respect or responsibility or perfect. It's probably if my husband or I noticed something that she did that we don't think is in alignment with how yes. we would have done it. So it's the violation. It's the opposite of. Yes. Right? yes. So, so, and, and just so you know, every single parent I ask this question to, they say the exact same thing. For sure. Right. So what's interesting is we talk about the importance of respect, of responsibility, kindness, honesty, usually when our kids are violating it. Exactly. And it's yeah. coming from a place of, I care about you. I love you. Mm -hmm. I want you to learn how to operate in relationships in a way that's going to really, really help you thrive. But our timing sucks. Exactly. Because generally when we're, we're confronting kids or teaching kids these important lessons yeah. right after they violated, their, their defenses go up. They're not learning. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's usually, um, at least my kids are usually like, here's the excuse, the reasons why um, they try to change the subject. They just want it over as fast as possible. There's really not optimal learning. So we're going <laughs> to flip that. The time to talk about responsibility or respect is when you see real-time evidence awesome. occurring. Great. So you're actually confronting him, them with, with the truth of, here's what you're doing right here, right now, and here's what it shows. And, and when you provide real-time evidence Great. and truth, that becomes the truth of who they are. Love right? It's very easy for a kid who believes that they are honest, they have integrity, that they're responsible to behave in a way that's congruent with that. And then when they violate that, they have like this conscience check that helps them go and try to make it right. So, so you're, that's where the internal compass comes from. We're a value driven kid. They're doing the right thing because they believe that's who they are. That makes sense. And they're, and they're getting constant reinforcement when it's happening in real time. Yeah. That shows them I already am this. 
Because yeah. one one highlights what you're not and in this moment, and you're saying highlight what they are. So now it becomes a part of their internal story. Yeah. And then, before I learned about this approach, this incongruent message I was sending all the time to kids was, um, it's really important for you to be respectful, but you're not respectful. Because every time you're disrespectful, yes. I show up and I give you these lessons. Yes. You know, and so you, you, you're trying to get kids to be more respectful, have better confidence, better self-esteem, make better decisions. But you're inadvertently sending the message that that's not who you are. Yep, that makes sense. So this is a way to get really, and this is where I have parents start when I'm working with them, is identify five or six of the character traits that you value that are part of like your own internal compass that you really want your kids to demonstrate. Love and that. And then be Love intentional, that. choose a word or two a day, and then give them direct feedback when you see that happening. What's happening, what's really interesting is when you tell yourself to look for it, you're going to find it in abundance. If you don't tell yourself to look at it, and this is the neurology of our brain, um, if you don't tell yourself to look for it, you're only going to find it when it's like out of the ordinary, above and beyond, or when it's being violated. Yeah. And the reason that yeah. it gets, your brain gets activated when it's being violated is because you actually have a fight or flight, a stress response to it. I also like that you go continuously back to the, um, like the values of the family. I, I, we hear that a lot with our, our guests and these are people who have successful businesses or in very good family lives. It's the more that you integrate that into your family dynamic and that your kids understand what that means, the, the easier it is for them to show up and contribute, uh, like be value added to that purpose. So by identifying the values, as you say, and then find specific times during the day that your kids are displaying these values, you're finding positive reinforcement that they are already displaying these things. And so it solidifies it more for them. Am I, am I kind of understanding that correctly? Okay. So good. Because again, they're blank slates. They don't know if they're respectful or they're not. Exactly. They actually learn that they are or they're not based on what we give our energy to. So you might as well connect and give energy to the things you want more of that exactly. are going to make you proud and excited and are going to serve them. And I think it's not as confusing, right? Like if I'm telling you, great job on this, that by doing that, you did this. That was awesome. It's, it's very straightforward. I did something good. Um, respect is good or being kind is good. But by like having them have to understand this is what you didn't do. Like I, I can see the trepidation or just how confusing that is because now they have to work out what the antithesis looks like. And that's got to be more hard. Like that wasn't respectful. Don't do that. Okay. Well, what am I supposed to do? Right? Like it, it's not as straightforward for them, which probably causes some confusion. You know, it's really interesting too. There's just this week, I, my, my, I have an energy, I call them energy seekers, kids that are maybe just wired a little bit differently, oh, cool. more intense. Um, other people might call, you know, my son, um, an anxious kid or has ADHD, like who, who cares? Right. Yep. Um, it's not really going to serve them in any way, shape, or form to have a label slapped exactly. on. Amen to that. Um, and I know what to do regardless of what it is anyway. So my kids are pretty fortunate to have a therapist as a dad sometimes. I bet. My, 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 my son who's six, one of his buddies in class, they were playing truth or dare. And one of them said, I dare you to call the teacher by her first name. And so my son yells out, hey, Gina, which is the teacher's first name. 
and so I get an email later on that night. Hey, here's what your son did. Here's how we handled it in class. I'd appreciate it if you'd speak to him. And so that's a trap that's set for me because what she's mm -hmm. saying is I want you to talk about the things your kid did wrong today and make sure it never happens again. That's what, exactly what she wants. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what my brain's saying is you already dealt with it in class. Sure. He's already had discipline in class. Why do I want to kind of join in and connect to him around this? Right. Right. You know, so, so what, what I just said to him is I got an email from your teacher says that you made a mistake in class. You already got disciplined for that. Is, is there anything I need to know, or do you need my help to try to make this right? Perfect. And what I said is Ben, what you did in class is not who you are. Clearly you made a mistake. I'm not interested in the mistake. I'm interested in how you fix it and move forward because I know you're kind, you're compassionate, you're respectful. And he's like, you know what I need to do? I need to, to write an email right now, apologizing to my teacher. So good. You know, and, and, but, but that was his idea because that's who he is. He's respectful. He wanted to make it right. And in the old me, you know, Dan 1.0 without like any, any parenting skills would have been like, you need to apologize to your teacher. You need to call. And it would have been me telling him what to do rather than him. Taking Much more autocratic. And the, the yeah. challenge there, right, is that works when they're in, in your house under your garnership, but it's also like a little bit of an animosity thing. But what do they do when they leave? Um, some people will see that for what it was. People like you and me will see they were doing the best they could. They were trying to teach me this and they'll understand that. Other people will actually go the opposite direction. Right. And it, that'll actually cause damage moving forward. So very interesting. Very cool, though, that he took the onus on himself to say, um, how do I say this? You've given him the space to establish who he is. So for him, it was just like, this is what I need to do. Right. It was very commonplace. So good. So those are the first two stands. Let me give you the third stand. Perfect. Um, the third stand is absolute clarity where the line is. And if you cross the line, um, there's accountability, but I'm, 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 my energy is more interested in how you're going to fix it, recover, move on. And instead of being frustrated and making you pay or being irritated in, in the whole consequence of discipline. So the, the discipline to this model is mistakes are opportunities to learn skills, to learn how to make amends and recover. And actually mistakes are great learning opportunities. So good. So, so, you know, kind of the analogy I like to use is it's like a referee officiating a basketball game. If a player is dribbling the ball and they step out of bounds, you know, whether their toes on the line or they're 20 feet out of bounds, the ref just blows the whistle and says, you know, turnover. Yeah. There, sure. the, the, the ref is not emotionally invested in whether or not the players in or out. They're clear that my lane is to hold you accountable. It's not to try to manipulate, convince, or bribe you into staying in bounds. Exactly. And, and so, you know, like what happens, I've never met a player that will grab the ball and purposely run out of bounds 20 times in a row. There's really no incentive to do that. And if we can parent with that mindset, like you made a mistake, how are you going to fix it and learn and recover and try not to do that again? You know, I think that's... I don't know. I don't know about you, but I've learned a lot more from my mistakes than I did from my successes. That's kind of a triggering point for me. One, just fun sidebar as a athlete, I'm like, well, unless you're trying to manage the clock, man, I'm going to run out. Of, I'm going to run out of bounds every play to stop the clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I really well, don't like the way that we position failure. 
Um, and, and I don't know if that's a school system thing or just um, in, in vernacular in general, it really bothers me because failure insinuates something bad. And you don't learn unless you attempt and not succeed. Like that, that's how the growth happens in, in the valleys, not the peaks, right? And yeah. I think we, we teach our kids to want and yearn for an easy life. Um, and we don't want easy lives. We want fulfilling lives. We want lives where we are growing as people and growing as a family unit. We want to feel like we are there's depth. It's not just we show up and everything's hunky-dory. We just took our three and 15-year-old, my husband and I all together went to Brazil. And um, we've traveled before, but this is definitely the first time they've both been to a third world country. Just to see, and obviously there's beautiful parts of Brazil, where we were in the north, um, we had to go through some very extreme poverty to get to where we were going. And the juxtaposition of that is we were at a beautiful resort. So it's very easy to see the difference and to watch the paradigm in their faces. Um, was so interesting. So my daughter obviously saw the, the impoverishment, but, but she also saw, and we talk about these things because these are values in our family, Dan, like how happy the kids look. The fact that there's no roofs and the dogs are all stray, but they're like, they're giggling and playing in the street. And my son in his three-year-old wisdom looked at it and said, like, looked at the same scene we're on the bus. And he's like, this is so beautiful. Everyone here is so beautiful. And if you at any American or first world country would look at that and immediately look at the things that were non-ideal. And that's because we have this constantly, so that it's a triggering topic for me, but I agree with you. I think we can't just look at, we have to teach them that failure is amazing. The more aptitude you have to fail, the more likely you will be to succeed, right? So we kind of don't even look at that the same way in my family. We kind of try and show our kids like um, failure is a superpower as long as they have the right perception and mindset behind it. There's sure. nothing wrong with them. They are honing in a skill. Nothing different than a kid learning to walk, right? Just because you have body hair now and you're older doesn't mean you have to like somehow not go through the learning curve. This is how we learn. Yeah, it, 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 I love this conversation because um, kind of one, one of the, the ways that I speak to my kids about this, especially when they were younger, it's like a video game. Like when you're playing the video game, you don't know how to play. You fail, fail, fail. But through the failure, that's how you level up. And that's how you get more exceptional and more skilled. And that's when you start to really enjoy the game is by learning from the failures and learning mastery. You know, and, and again, kids don't grab the remote control and just keep breaking all the rules and dying on purpose. Right. You know, it's just like, how do I, how do I learn and master this? And it's, it's the same for life. Like you made a mistake, you blurted out in class. My guess is you probably won't do that again. <laughs> and what I love about that is there is an opportunity there. So we, uh, we do something similar in our house where we look at those in instances and I do this like on a higher level with my 15 year old, but more like, I guess, terse with the three-year-old, but it's like, wh what about that? Like, for example, um, I want to win. So I'm the winner and Johnny's the loser because he's three and everybody wants to win. I'm like, so tell me about that. Like, why does it feel good to win? Because I'm the first and I win. Blah, blah, blah. And how does Johnny feel? Because he didn't win. And what does that mean? And it's like, just trying to get them to understand that it's okay to feel both. We do that, that whole analogy, especially when they were younger. Like we both have the, the light and the dark dragon in us. Like, I'm pretty sure my son thinks there are two dragons living in his body. Sure he does. <laughs> he really believes it. He's like, my dark dragon is really hungry. Uh, but I want them to understand like, hey, sometimes you actually do crave 
energy or, or interaction and you and you got to be honest but like you you want to act out but but why and what value do you get like your your son was testing a boundary and i nobody made a difference in this world by staying in the box right so as humans we are geared to go forth and and cultivate and prosper like we're meant to test boundaries now it helps him i think the big learning for him is to understand stepping out of this box made this person feel this way while venturing out might have felt good and 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 um uh like exciting seeing the repercussion of someone feeling disrespected that doesn't fit my moral code so now he actually learned a great lesson and you didn't have to do it in a punitive autocratic top-down way so that, i think that sure. it's just cool to watch if you approach it with that type of childlike curiosity i guess yeah i love that because um i i didn't really have awareness i didn't think this this far through this but the uh the truth or dare is exciting when you're in middle school for sure you know, it's like oh i have some courage to take the dare and then go through with it because you, you you never accept a dare and then are excited about what you have to do. It takes a level of like courage and you're sure. stepping out of your comfort zone. But for, for him to, to process through that and that experience and actually pay attention to the teacher's face and how she felt when that happened. Exactly. You know, that, that's the learn, that's the awareness I want to have, you know, him to have and him to think through okay. before that happens. And that's the real lesson, right? Um, and not, yeah. not the after the fact. I think we just are so used to being reactive that, which is why I love what you said, the, the real energy should be in the moment and not after the fact, right? Um, I think that's beautiful in the moment and also in terms of the positive, the, the positive thing that, that happened. Because I venture you probably and your wife do a really good job of pointing out the times when he is displaying those so he understands how that makes him feel. And so for the one-off instance when, he, when that didn't happen, now he sees the misalignment and it just allows him to, to make his own decision. I think that's what I was trying to get at. These opportunities, these failings allow us to decide what kind of person we want to be. It's like when you, you know, you're younger and you're dating someone, you think you like a certain attribute and then you have it in real life and you're like, that's going to be crossed off the list. Don't like that. You know, it's, it's similar in yourself. I've watched myself as a parent do things and I'm like really proud of myself. I've watched myself react in ways that I'm like, I'm not going to do that again. That that's not in alignment with who I am. And I think our kids do the same thing. We just have to give them some grace, right? This is so good. Okay. So I would like to hear just maybe one or two things um, from your time working with families, like how they've been able to implement this, like maybe some tips um, that they can take into, you know, their, their react, like uh, inner interactions with their families. And then if you don't mind, Dan, wrap, wrap us up with where people can find you, interact with you, uh, what you do. would love to hear that as well. Sure. Um, well, for, for me, when I first learned, um, specifically about the nurtured heart approach, my, my first response to that was, this is what I've been looking for because it really resonates yeah. with wanting to see the best in people and then trying to help cultivate and create and help that grow and develop. In them. Um, but the, the reality is our culture doesn't operate this way for the most part. No. So in, unless you have like a roadmap on how to really learn and master this approach or this type of um, growth mindset, you're, you're probably going to try to white knuckle it and just be more positive. So <laughs> the families that I, well, for me first, I had to become a, an advanced trainer, which is hours and hours and hours of training. 
and lots of real time, you know, in, in the field practicing before I got title of advanced training. And I've been doing this for about 10 years now. So awesome. what, what, when, when I have families that are saying, Hey, help us kind of change the dynamic in our home. I actually created a 90 day coaching program to help parents learn and master these specific three stands, but, awesome. but to do it in a way that's authentic and genuine. Um, the last thing I want is people just saying certain things because it's the right thing to say and it's not speaking from the heart. And that's, that's one of the things I love about um, Nurtured Heart is you're speaking from your heart and, and it's an approach, it's not a program. So, so the way that you would be speaking to your kids would be very different than how I would speak to them because we have different personalities, temperaments, upbringing, experience. Um, and that's your gift to give your kids, right? So I, I really help parents align with their values, their voice, speak from their heart, and then have some very specific tools to integrate them. That's helpful for sure. Yeah. That's very cool. So um, so then how do people interact with you and um, uh, take take this course? Is it like a, a training that we do one-on-one -on -one with you? How does that all work? Yeah, most, most of um, the clients that I have, they hire me to work one-on-one -on -one with them. So it's you know, usually a set of parents uh, starting from beginning to end. It's usually about a nine sessions over a 90 day period to really learn and master and download this approach into your parenting stuff. Um, so probably the best way to contact me or reach out to me would be just through my website. Got it. Um, I have a couple free resources for parents, a couple mm -hmm. books that I wrote, um, one's for parents, one's for teachers. Um, but just, Get on my website, go to my contact page to say, hey, listen to this podcast, would like to learn more, and then I'll reach out to you directly. Fantastic. Oh, that's great. Awesome. I love that there's an infrastructure because I think it's so helpful. Now, my last question is, do you, most of your clients come to you because there's like, it's kind of full circle what we talked about. There's a problem and they're trying to fix it. Or do you think people are starting to notice that like, there's just more of a empowered relationship they want to have with their families and they're just becoming aware that there's like, I didn't even know there was, this existed until I met you, that there's tools to like do this proactively. So, so it's interesting. Um, I'm actually working through this just professionally right now. Like who are my ideal clients? Because for the last 20, 25 years, it's people in pain. Right. Right. And I have a solution to solve that pain and then help them create the bond and the, and the family system that they want. Um, but I'm a very growth oriented person. I'm in mastermind groups. I meet people like you that are just curious. And if I kind of share some of this information, they're going to go use it like this afternoon with their kids. Right. Um, and, and, and so I haven't, I haven't reached out to that community with a lot of um, intentionality. It's been more the people that my kids acting out, they're getting in trouble at school. My stress okay. at home is through the roof. Please help. Um, so, so that's typically who my clients are, but as I'm kind of expanding a little bit more, I'm involved in mastermind groups. And I think probably our, our connector was Larry Hagner through the dead edge. Right. Like I'm, I'm with a bunch of dads that are business owners and every yeah. single call, somebody's asking me questions about how can I just elevate my relationship with my kids? Right. Well, I think there's a radical responsibility that yes. entrepreneurs have in common 
military of uh, athletes and a certain level of parent for sure. High level, um, high, high level people in, in every facet. But there's a if X then Y, right? If my child's acting a certain way, there's probably some reflection of my management that is causing this. And so I venture to say that they have great or good relationships, but when they see that something else is possible, this is why they're high level humans. When we see the fruit on the tree, we want to know what you're doing with your seeds so we can figure out how to, how to get it, right? If someone's succeeding in finances, tell me about your investment strategy. If someone's succeeding in health, tell me about your workout routine or your fitness routine. And if someone's having an amazing, that's what this whole podcast is about, Dan. If someone's having an amazing relationship with their kids, show me how to do it so I can do it myself. Yeah. It's the greatest. Yeah, the part, part of the uh, tagline with Nurtured Art is igniting greatness. Love. Right? So it's like, how do we go from good to great? Um, you know, because I, I, like, I, I love kids. I love my kids. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't want to deeply enjoy their company. Exactly. And, and, and if I don't have like a framework and a tool on how to do that, and I just rely on, you know, my nature or my nerd, like how I was raised, like I'm going to be barely skimming the top of what's possible. Love that. It makes me just think of how much I could level up my own game. And I feel like I'm a pretty perceptive person, but it's just, why would you not? Like, this yeah. is what you've waited your whole life for, to be someone who can nurture and, and really help define what's possible for someone else. So why not do it intentionally? I can't wait to check it out. I'm definitely going to look into it. Um, I definitely implore the audience to check you out. I, I think I shared this with you, but my absolute favorite part of doing this podcast, we're about 50 episodes in, I think you're like 49 or 50, which is so cool. Um, and this, we're just wrapping season one is I have so many people reaching out to these coaches and taking these courses and learning and then sharing with me what they learned. So um, parents, we love you guys for showing up. The fact that you guys are here just shows the type of people you are. And we're, I'm so motivated by that. Dan, thank you for, um, being who you are, integrating this into your life and providing examples. Um, it's just awesome. So Dan, thank you. It was great to have you on. Appreciate you being here. Really, really appreciate the opportunity and excited for other parents to level up their game. That's awesome. And parents, you yeah. guys know the, know the deal. We'll see you next week until the, the next perfect time, guys. Stay beautiful, stay inspired.